Anyone feel like dropping into Hawaii? Soft landing in the middle of a hard winter. And a nice place to start 2022 were the men who shoot 67 for a living. The Century Tournament of Champions with an excellent field. Question looming in 2022. When will Tiger play? He generated plenty of buzz in Orlando two weeks ago. Mark Rolfing will join us with his take on Tiger. And beyond Tiger, what are the most intriguing storylines in 2022 in both men's and women's golf? No shortage of possibilities. Time to get to work. It is a brand new year. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. Part of the allure of this sport at the highest level is not simply the great players, but the exotic locale. Blue waters and blue skies in plain view from the lush green grounds of the plantation course at Kapalua, home to the Century Tournament of Champions since 1999. Hawaii with its legendary Ho'okipa, warm hospitality. And hello again and welcome and happy new year. Rich Thorner alongside Golf Week columnist Eamon Lynch. Uh, Eamon, brand new season uh, and Century Tournament of Champions is starting. A new diet is also going to be starting <laughs> <laughs> just a matter of minutes. Uh, this is always a nice way to start the year, just sort of ease into it. Yeah, if you're going to have to go back to work in January, the first week of, <laughs> of the, the coldest month of the year, well, then there are worse places to go than the Century Tournament of Champions. You know, you're going to check in at Kapalua for a week. If you finish dead last, you're still going to make almost $40,000 for the week. That should probably cover a week at the Ritz-Carlton out there. Family of four, you might come out on the short, <laughs> short end in Hawaii, but it is as chill a week as you will ever hope to see on the PGA Tour, that's for sure. Uh, it's a small field, uh, as much family time as practice time for most players, but by the week, and it starts to get intense as guys are chasing uh, that uh, championship trophy. This marks the 24th year. Maui hosting the Century Tournament of Champions. And the impressive field, that's for sure. Eight of the top ten in the official world golf ranking. Uh, only Dustin and Rory are not there. Rory will start in two weeks in the Middle East. Uh, the DP World Tour in Abu Dhabi. Uh, 38 of 39 PGA Tour winners from 2021 are here. Uh, winners of all four majors and the players from 2021. Justin Thomas, Hideki Matsuyama, Phil Mickelson, John Rahm, and Colin Morikawa. It is stacked. Hawaii, our shining star in the deep Pacific, and every year players and families journey there to start the season. A reward for having won a tournament in the toughest golf league in the world, the PGA Tour. For more from Kapalua, uh, you can see uh, sun is uh, just uh, coming up uh, after 7 a.m. in Hawaii. We say Happy New Year to Steve Burkowski and Burko. Uh, besides the whales breaching in the Pacific, what are you keeping your eyes on this week? <laughs> Happy New Year to you, Rich, and Eamon as well. And you just talked about it, the field, the strength of the field here this week at Kapalua 2022 is upon us. And other than Rory McIlroy, all the winners from the PGA Tour in 2021 here this week in Hawaii to kick things off. You touched on Phil Mickelson. He's making his first start in this event in 21 years. He won this tournament when it was at La Costa back in 1994 and 1998. Certainly one of the headliners here. And you also alluded to the fact that 
it's the balance of family time and preparation time. You see a lot of the guys get out here early, spend three, four, five hours, and then they go back to the pool or maybe go take a look at those whales breaching in the Pacific Ocean. So there is that fine balance of competitive nature and fire, but also realizing it's a marathon here in 2022 to try to get to East Lake in that tour championship. But the strength of the field again, so very strong. And how can you not love coming to this part of the world where many of the uh, states and everywhere in the US really cold, maybe dealing with some snow as they are right now in the Washington DC area. It has been impeccable the first few days and slowly but surely we're seeing more players filter out on the golf course rich as Thursday will be upon us sooner rather than later. Uh, this golf course the rare par 73 I think for fans uh, watching uh, from uh, United States continental United States uh, it's, a, it's a fun golf course you think about the 17th hole and that drive that's up against the, the majestic uh, sky with the Pacific in the background 18 as well with all that drama uh, how is the golf course looking this week Burko? You know, right now, after speaking with Billy Horschel yesterday, who was out here, Rich, he said for all the trips he had been here before, it's perhaps as wet as he has ever seen it. They had a rainy December here in the Maui area. So maybe the firm, fiery conditions we have seen sometimes in years past might not be prevalent uh, come Thursday, Friday, and of course on the weekend for the final two days. So those 400-yard drives we've seen from Dustin Johnson and others in the past, they might be a little bit fewer than uh, we have seen uh, in recent years so maybe a little more emphasis on iron play but uh I think a perfect example is yesterday we're out here getting some work done say from about 9 a.m to noon no wind at all we were again watching Billy Horschel and some others and the wind was basically non-existent about an hour later early afternoon a little squall comes in the wind picks up the rain starts to fall so we know it can change on a dime out here but I think overall the early consensus may be a little softer Kapalua than we have seen here in years past. All right Burgo this is always the week where we all become experts in in Hawaii winds the Konas the trades and, and Mark Rolfen will be along uh, a little bit later to set us straight on all of that we'll catch up with you in the next hour as well Steve Burkowski from Kapalua. Well uh, only winners uh, from 2021 in this field a few of the lingering images from 21 Justin Thomas from seven shots back after 36 to win the players in what was an otherwise difficult year for Justin. Xander Shoffley won the gold medal in Japan gutsy part on the 72nd hole. Been a few years though since he won on the PGA Tour. And Tiger and Charlie gave us one of the best Sundays in a long time at the PNC in red locked in making birdies both of them. And given where he was 10 months ago, it may well have been the greatest week of his life enjoying the game with his son, Charlie. Look now at the official World Golf ranking as we enter the new year. Current top 10 and John Rom, first Spaniard to finish the year as world number one since Seve, 1988. Morikawa would have been world number one for the first time just for a week if he had won the Hero World Challenge. But remember, he blew that five-shot final round lead. Bryson beginning 22 with the exact ranking he started 21 with number five. Uh, Justin Thomas currently number eight ended 21 at number seven in the world mark the first time he finished the year outside the top five of the world since 2016 and three of the current top 10 in the world are 25 or younger Morikawa Victor Hovland and how about number 10 Sam Burns what a 21 it was for Burns.
Well, 22, uh, possibly the, the year of intrigue. So I'll start with you, Eamon, and who is the most intriguing men's player this year to look out for? Same guy who had that honor last year for me, which is Bryson DeChambeau. This is a guy who was just sort of consumed with theatrics all the way through 2021. It was the, the fake feud with, with Brooks Koepka, which wasn't fake, then became fake for a made-for-TV <laughs> event eventually. But there was the feud with the media. There was the spat over his driver at the Open Championship. And, the arguments whether he shouts four at, at the gallery when he's taking tee shot lines over them. And, you know, we had this iconic moment at Bay Hill last year, which was one of his positives in a year. And there were a lot of positives in a year for Bryson, but he just seemed so consumed with so many extracurricular theatrics that it's going to be interesting to see can he hit some kind of a calming reset button going into 2022. And I think it's particularly interesting that he's heading into a year when the his peers on the PGA Tour have outlawed Greens reading books mm. and Bryson perhaps relies much more on that device than anyone else on tour and it's going to be really interesting to see Great. how he adapts. Uh, pick up on what you said. Bryson DeChambeau is a show-off. He likes attention. He courts it. He wants it. He thinks about it and he gets it every time he hits the driver, right? Uh, he hit the drive of the year in 2021, the legend over the lake at Bay Hill. But from there it was, I would say, less of a hit show and more of a <laughs> it, it rhymes. It, it rhymes with hit show, though it is the opposite. So to me, the, qu the question is, how does a guy who loves attention invite the positive variety? That's the key for Bryson. And winning always helps in that regard. Yeah, and if you want to invite attention, you have to be able to deal with it when you're getting attention, when things aren't going point. so great. And to me, that's where Bryson repeatedly struggles is when you're in the public eye as much as Bryson is, you are always going to struggle in terms of getting negative attention, particularly in the era of social media. And a lot of it is self-inflicted, but he has a clear inability to actually process and deal with negativity <laughs> in a positive or, or mature manner. He, do, he never seems to actually help himself. And that's why I, I would kind of like to see him at a reset button in 22. Get all the attention you want, but show some maturity at the moments when it's called for. It uh, would be a shock if he made it through 2022 without at least once putting foot in mouth. Would you it agree? would be a shock if he made it through 22 without actually showing some maturity. <laughs> at some point, it's got to come at some stage. But, but he's 27 a, years a, old. As a character in the game, right? We don't want everybody to be the same. Uh, he's essential. Uh, he adds a little color. He's sure. absolutely. And he's a great he player. Box office. He, he is he, absolute box no office. No question. For me, though, the most intriguing men's player is ready. John Rahm, fiery Spaniard, delivers in the clutch. Talent and toughness to be, I think, a long-term number one. And watching a player climb to, to new levels of greatness, Amen. I'm talking about four or five wins in a year, maybe two majors. That is not just intriguing, that's exciting. And I think he's capable. That's why, to me, he's my most intriguing player. There's an interesting question here, Rich, if the world number one is actually overrated. Because you can go back here to look at the list of guys who finished the year-end number one in this game. Go all the way back to Greg Norman in 1986. John Rahm is the only guy who finished the year without multiple wins. And he had a terrific season. We talked about how good he was all year long. One win. That's all he had was the U.S. Open. Now, I know the official world golf rankings will sort of work their way around the staggered scoring system at the Tour Championship and accord wins or the not, memorial. as the case may be. He, he was going to win the memorial. Well, that trophy is on someone else's mantelpiece. Yeah, so we can talk right. about whether or not he was going to win. Doug Sanders was going to win the Open at St. Andrews, but he didn't. And I, I think that's the interesting thing with Ram. It, to me, 22 is almost more of a test of him. It's, there were so many missed 
opportunities and circumstances that yeah, passed sure. him by in 21. I'm curious to see, can he actually build on... Does he still think he has something to prove, even as world well, number one with the major? I, I would say he probably does come out with just a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because he was not named player of the year. Patrick Cantlay was. I think Rahm, and we'll talk about this later, his game is built for the big championships in a way that I think maybe only Brooks Kepka could could say. Uh, hits it long enough, certainly. He's one of the, you know, the power players in the game. He's a magnificent iron player, has a great touch, and he has... Uh, he has belief. I mean, I think we saw that at the U.S. Open. I, I really, I feel strongly. I think potentially, he's 27 years old. The time is now. I think he can go on a run. I think he contends at majors in the same way that Brooks did consistently three years ago. Uh, I think there's a real chance that he could go, as I said, to another level of greatness. And that's why I'm, I'm looking forward to watching him this year. Well, he's a pretty good bet when we get to Augusta in April because you look at the last four or five years at the Masters, he hasn't been very far off the top of that leaderboard on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, he was fifth this year. In fact, uh, was top ten at, at every major and the Players' Championship, Big John Rahm. Uh, how about Tiger Woods 2021 ending on you know a wonderful note uh, for Tiger, able to compete when it appeared uh, that he might not ever be able to do so and do it with son Charlie. Will we see Tiger in 2022? We'll discuss that when Golf Today continues. Golf Today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brought to you by PointsBet. This season, don't just bet, live your bet life. And Win Grips, the best grips in golf. And by Bushnell Golf and the new wingman. Crank up your game. Well, it was February of uh, last year, a tiger involved in a really scary single car accident in Southern California. He said in May that the post-crash rehab, the injuries were an entirely different animal. Uh, and then he put the sports world on its ears with this three second video. I mean, it was one swing, two words, making progress, three seconds. and. <laughs> Everybody got excited. Well, there's no question, Eamon. The biggest storyline in golf in 2022 is, is Tiger Woods, where and when he plays, and then once he does, how he plays. I'm going to run counter to sort of the prevailing thought. I think there's a chance that he plays the Masters. Yes, it is a grueling walk. It is hilly, but it is a short field. He maybe has to beat, what, 30, 40 guys realistically. It's on a golf course that he loves and understands. And it's a course where there's a premium on iron play and putting. Those are his strengths right now. So he knows he has a real chance there, even if it's with a leg that's 50, 60 percent. Now, granted, at the PNC, he was playing on flat ground in perfect weather using a cart. So the question is, and Tiger addressed this, can he ramp up? Can his body sustain the kind of program he typically employs for getting ready for a major championship? Well, the Masters is 94 days from now, the first round. So... You'd reasonably think that if Tiger Woods physically felt as though he could actually 
make a respectable showing at Augusta National that he would be there. But we heard him say in that interview that he really is going to play a very limited schedule. And that forces you to think, where is Tiger going to pick and choose? You've got to assume that he's going to go to these courses where he has a lot of institutional knowledge. Uh, a place like, say, Torrey Pines, well, that's probably out the window. It starts in, yeah, no in three weeks. And even the Arnold Palmer Invitational is 59 days away. I don't see him going to Bay Hill. I think it's actually more reasonable, in my mind, for St. Andrews. He's won the Open there twice. Now, when you've got a bulky back like Tiger and you don't really like cold weather very much, it's, it's cold in a Scottish summer in July and frequently it's raining in your pocket in a Scottish summer in July. <laughs> so whether or not the, the weather will cooperate and the body will cooperate, as he said, who knows. But I think Tiger would be absolutely loath to miss an Open at St Andrews because, you know, he can play Augusta every year, but he plays uh, an Open at St Andrews every five or six. How about Southern Hills where he won a PGA Championship? PGA's going back there, albeit May. It won't be sweltering as it was when he won uh, the PGA there. What was it, 2007, I think it was? Yeah. I don't think the, I don't see the PGA as being one of those benchmark events where Tiger is likely to make his comeback on tour. I suppose it depends on his physical progress. I, I look for a statement comeback, and a statement comeback in majors, at least to me, would either be at Augusta or in St Andrews. Uh, there are two things on his mind. You know, 83 to become the all-time winningest player and, no. and clear the tie he's in with Sam Snead. And then majors. I think it's too big a mountain to climb to get to 18. But if he's going to play a limited number of events, a Hogan schedule, as he said, mm -hmm. well, then it is really just major championships, maybe the players. So it's five, six. That's what in Hogan's famous 53, he played what? Five times, six mm -hmm. times? That, that was it. Yep. And won, he won all three majors he played in. So I think Tiger will spend the physical capital that it will take at the majors and majors only. Nowhere else. I think it's not quite an apples to apples comparison for me because back in the era when Hogan was winning majors, half the field, more than half the field, made their living selling sweaters who were in the field there. It was not as competitive as it is right now. And I don't know that Tiger has the luxury of being able to, to pitch up four to five times a year and think that he can actually win one or two of them. I do actually think there's a real chance Tiger Woods will win again, which until what we saw two, three weeks ago, I would never have imagined that was actually going to be the case again. I would agree. What I saw at the PNC, granted again, it was the PNC told me that he's capable of winning. Can't bend down. He can't generate any speed. He can't walk 72 holes. But you know what? He can still hit shots. That's, that's what we saw there. And he's still Tiger Woods. And there is value in showing up at the top of a leaderboard when your name is Tiger Woods because a lot of other guys start to get wobbly. You look back at that 2019 Masters and how many guys were right in the middle of it. They're all heading to the 12th tee on that rainy Sunday in, in Georgia. And only one guy didn't blink, and it was Tiger Woods. What has he always done from day one? He's exceeded height. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I can't think of another athlete who has you know, been as dominant as Tiger while also being the underdog as many times as Tiger has. And again, he's in that sort of underdog role. And with that, let's welcome in uh, Paige McKenzie uh, and Paige. Happy New Year. Good to see you. And, and just curious uh, where you think we might see Tiger and, and what you thought of uh, of the PNC and his performance there with Charlie. Yeah, Happy New Year, and it was a great end of the year as it relates to Tiger Woods, because I certainly, uh, given the news that we heard in February, didn't know whether we would see Tiger Woods back on the golf course, certainly in 2021. Uh, Rich, I think you're very aggressive with the Augusta call. I think it's 
very much wishful thinking because the, the golf course is so challenging to walk. Uh, but I agree with what your point is, which is there's going to be a couple earmarked events every single year, Augusta National and the Masters is one of those. So certainly that, that I'm sure is a goal of Tiger Woods. I'm more on the Eamon Lynch uh, camp on this one. I, I think we will see him at St. Andrews. The question is, will we see him before that? Southern Hills is also the one that I was looking at as potentially where we might see Tiger Woods first start of this of this year. Uh, it's going to be dependent, obviously, uh, on how he's feeling getting through 72 holes of walking. I think we all have a rabid desire to see him return. And I feel like with every comeback, we say, well, this comeback's a little bit different. In this case, I really feel like this comeback is different. You don't want to see super, uh, you know, Superman without his cape. And I think if he's going to start an event, he needs to be able to know that he can compete and finish and finish it out strong and try to win a golf tournament. You don't want to have him going out and then ultimately limping in. What would you see uh, from Tiger at the PNC that you loved? <laughs> uh, swinging, uh, for one, not to, to get down to the basics, but uh, based on the news that we heard coming in, it was hard to believe that we were going to be able to see Tiger Woods swinging a golf club at the end of last year. So loving that, obviously, relationship with Charlie and knowing as a parent uh, how joyful it is to be able to share that experience on a golf course. The iron play was good. Still good to see him with a putter. Obviously, we know that there's speed issues and there's things that he's going to have to work on to get back to the competitive place that he needs to be to compete at the highest level in the PGA Tour, but a lot of positives. Yeah, no question. We'll talk uh, women's golf with Paige a little bit later in the show. Paige McKenzie, thank you. Here now the major venues, and as always, we start, what you say, 94 days at Augusta National. Hideki Matsuyama is uh, defending then to Southern Hills. Remember, it was supposed to be a New Jersey venue. They changed it and now going back to Oklahoma where Tiger won the PGA Championship when it was last played there. A U.S. Open uh, where Curtis Strange won the late 1980s first of his back-to-back -back U.S. Opens. Also a uh, great history with the Ryder Cup of 99 and Francis We Met's upset win in 1913 and then the 150th Open at the old course at St. Andrews. Look now at the odds to win a major in 2022 according to sports bet. Uh, no real surprises here, Eamon? No, there really aren't. I mean, you take the word number one right up there at the top. I mean, Dustin Johnson hasn't won anywhere outside of Saudi Arabia since the 2020 Masters. And Roy McIlroy's an interesting one there. He's actually, you know, plus 225. There's a guy who hasn't won a major now. He's heading into the eight-year mark from that point. But if he finds that spark, he could be the great story of the year. Odds to win a major, courtesy of points bet. All right, who has the major momentum going to 2022, Eamon? To me, it's Colin Morikawa. I mean, he's finished no worse than eighth in the last three majors. He won the Open Championship, uh, obviously, we saw it this summer. And he's, he just plays with an imperious calm and mm. confidence in major championships. There's no kind of super highs or super lows with Morikawa. We even saw that when he won the PGA Championship at Harding Park last year. He's a, an ability to deliver in the moment. And I know we've talked often on this show about how sketchy he can be with a flat stick, but we didn't see any of that at the Open Championship this year at St. George's. He made every putt that he seemingly looked at for four days. And he just, to me, he looks like the guy who is in the best place going Colin, into 22. Uh, Colin has people asking, what are we looking at here? 
Is this a young star who will cool off the way Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy eventually did, or is this an historically great young player? If he wins the players this year, a major championship, uh, 24, 25 years old, then I think uh, the answer will be yes. We're looking at an historically great young player. And by the way, to your point, he does close 64 and 66 in the final rounds of his two major championship victories. I'll go back to John Rahm, though, as the one with major momentum. Again, game is built for majors, and that is important. He has a little bit of what I think Morikawa does not have for the long haul, and that's some power. He's got that extra gear. He has a great touch. He demonstrated, Eamon, that he is a clutch putter, and I think maybe most importantly, he has the improved disposition. And with those two putts, two of the best we've ever seen uh, late at a U.S. Open, 17 and 18 at Torrey Pines, I think he now knows, has the belief that he can deliver when he absolutely has to. He's the guy, I think, with major momentum. And uh, last year, if you, you factor all the, the four majors in the players, ninth, fifth, eighth, won the U.S. Open, third at the Open, uh, he's the guy. He shows up on those four weeks every year. I threw in the players as well. John Rahm is there every time. I'm, you know, we've talked a lot about this improved disposition that you mentioned. I'm not convinced it's as improved as everyone what, says what do you mean it you're not convinced? Well, how, what, what, what more evidence do you need to see? Well, he's... He shook off, he shook off a, a bad stretch at the Open at St. Andrews, came roaring back, shook off a couple of disappointments at the U.S. Open and made two enormous putts late. I mean, what more evidence do you sure, need to see? Look, how about the way he shook off COVID at the well. Memorial? How about the way he shook off the, the terrible disappointment at the Memorial? Well, sure, he didn't have an option but to shake it off. And then he took a month off and showed up and won the U.S. Open. Everything's going great when John Rahm's playing well. And we've seen plenty of evidence that he's, he's calm, he's in a good place in his life right now. But there's still the fire in there. And he's What's... got to find that balance between not losing the fiery edge that sort of motivated, say, for instance, a, a Seve or even a Sergio earlier in his career. And to me, there's, there's still some of that fiery edge in there. I'm not as convinced that he is as even keeled well, no, I, week I don't, in, week I don't out. think that you, you want even keel. That's not who he is. I think no. you have to be authentic, and I think he is. I think he's just figured a way to not let that run away and not let that become a detriment. I think he's learned how to harness it, play through mistakes. I think he's, he's matured the way uh, a great 27-year-old talent should mature. Well, he's definitely maturing. I would also argue that John Rahm was always better at letting it go than he was ever given credit for. Because you talk to other players and caddies out there, they will have watched John have an absolute fit when something goes wrong on the golf course, and they are amazed that by the time John gets to the next tee, he's forgotten about it. They're still shaken watching what was going on, but Rahm was always better at letting it go than, than most people would have been. He, he picked up probably a bad rep or bad rap as a suspect decision maker for what he did. What was it on the 11th hole of the players a few years ago? He went against the wishes of his caddy, tried to hit the home run shot, rinsed it, and it cost him, made a, a bogey there, and ended up losing the tournament. Never heard Arnie to take those huh? kind of there decisions, or Phil, <laughs> over the years. You know, people love an aggressive, go-for-broke player. Yeah. That's John Rahm. And hello again, and welcome, Rich Lerner. Pleased to be alongside Golf Week columnist, Golf Channel contributor, Eamon Lynch. Eamon, I'm pumped for 2022. Possibility that we may see Tiger Woods John Rahm, Colin Morikawa, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, all verging. Wasn't it a long two weeks we've had since <laughs> we got so hyped up over Tiger at the PNC and the promise of what might actually be the next chapter of his career? 
then it was, you know, a long, cold winter over those couple of holiday weeks, Rich, but now hit the ground running again. Yeah, uh, we're here in Stamford, Connecticut, not nearly as, uh, as warm as it is out there in Hawaii. The tour kicking off its new year with a century tournament of champions at the plantation courts at Kapalua. Exceptional field made up of winners from the PGA Tour in 2021. Looks at points like Jurassic Park out there at Kapalua. Well, this is the week where we will all become experts on Kona wins and trade wins. For more from Kapalua, we say Happy New Year to Steve Burkowski. Burko. Good morning and Happy New Year to you as well, Rich. We're just past 8 o'clock local time here at Kapalua, and we're seeing more players starting to filter out to the course. We know for many the time change. You get to bed early, you wake up early, but some came even over a few days earlier, like Billy Horschel, six-time winner on the PGA Tour. He's back at this event for more than the very first time in his career. And Eric Van Royen, the 31-year-old South African, making his debut, hadn't been on the island of Maui until just a couple of days ago I caught up with both of them on Sunday to get their thoughts on this week ahead and what it will take to be successful. They've had a lot of rain here in the month of December so it's playing a lot softer a little slower than normally is so you know I'm not the longest guy on tour but length is is an advantage now in our game of golf and so I'm gonna have to have a really good iron play my iron play my wedge is gonna have to be really sharp this week um, you know I, I putt well in Bermuda green so I feel very comfortable and um, you know, I'm hoping that I get off to a good start this week. I've, I've done a, a lot of good work at home the last uh, two months, and, and hopefully it starts uh, coming to fruition here soon. But if not, then we're just going to keep uh, getting after it and, until it does. It's a really big course, especially the front nine. Uh, back nine's a little bit shorter, but this is probably as calm as it's going to get, right? I spoke to Billy Orshaw. He says the wind, the wind picks up quite a lot here during the tournament usually. So it might play a bit differently, but, I mean, what a place. It was a fun Sunday for Eric Van Royen. Had a little bit of a South African game alongside Brandon Grace and Garrick Higo. But what stood out to me talking about Billy Horschel and Eric on Sunday, while they want to do well here this week, kick off 2022 on a high note, they both talked about major championships, Rich. Eric Van Royen says he hopes the win a year ago at the Barracuda can jumpstart him into some bigger uh, performances at those four majors. And Billy Horschel was even more adamant. He said right now, it is next uh, on his list to become a major champion. He believes he has a 10-year window as he's 35 years of age to take it to the next level. So while they're having a little fun here in Hawaii, they also have bigger aspirations in the year ahead. Yeah, Horschel there off his win at the match play. He is a past FedEx Cup champion. And uh, speaking of bold, uh, Van Royen's mustache was bold, but uh, bold predictions for 2022. And once again, we welcome in uh, Paige McKenzie. And Paige, uh, bold predictions for the upcoming year. Yeah, it was hard for me to come up with a super bold prediction, but uh, I like Rex Hoggard and picking top-ranked player to win a major. But I'm going to do it times two. I'm going to say Inby Park and Lydia Ko knock off a major in 2022. I think for both players, they're trending in the right direction, but it's hard to believe Inby Park, who has seven majors to her name, hasn't won a major championship since 2015. Since that time, she is still had over 50% of her major starts in, in ending in top 10 finishes. So she's stayed very competitive, but just hasn't 
gotten across the finish line. Now with Lydia Ko, we know the ups and downs that we've seen over the course of her last several years, now trending up in the right direction, back to number three in the world. She has two major championships to her name. Her last most recent major was in 2016, the ANA. So it's been uh, a handful of years for her as well. But I could see both of them returning to the winner's circle in 2022 in major form. Yeah, I love the way uh, that Lydia Ko has uh, come roaring back. She was the most accomplished uh, teenage player in the history of the sport, period, male or female. What was that? I think 15 wins uh, by, before turning 19. And I think she's just about all the way back. I think her you know, hurdles would simply be the two players in front of her are just so good, Jin Young Ko and uh, Nellie Korda. But uh, you have to love uh, what, uh, what Lydia Ko's done. Isn't it remarkable that we're talking about a woman who's 24 years old and has six years removed from her second major win, which to me it just shows, you know, that's the, the next part of her chapter that she's ready to write. And I thought it was really interesting that, that Paige picked Inby Park as well, who's kind of on the other end of the scale, because every time we see Inby Park, she's, she's talking about the desire to retire and whether or not she, she has it in her. And I remember a couple of months ago here, we had Nota on the show whenever Tiger said he didn't feel that he had to climb Everest anymore. And we asked Noda, do you actually believe him? And Noda just burst out laughing and said, no, of course I don't. And Inby Park strikes me the same way. She, she talks and makes a lot of noises that sound nice about wanting to seal off into the sunset, but there's um, still some fire there. Increasingly, I find myself drawn to the women's game because I, I love the aesthetic quality of old school rhythm swingers, tempo and mm -hmm. balance. Uh, and you get that with certainly with Inby Park and as well with Lydia Ko in a way that you you just don't anymore on the men's tour where everybody is just coming out of their shoes and just swinging for the fences. So I think those two players sort of represent uh, that that aesthetic ideal that yeah. some of us old school types uh, <laughs> still cling to. Uh, nothing wrong with a little rhythm and tempo. How about your bold prediction for 2022? How many do you want? I got them all. Let, I mean, let I, it rip. I, I think the. The Saudi Super League will continue to make noise. I think it will make zero progress because they don't have any players and there's no sign they're any closer to getting them. I think the distance debate is about to flare up again. It was a month before COVID kind of upended the world that the USGA and RNA released that distance insights report, which was really the first shot, I thought, in a war for the future of golf. And I think that's about to resume after the COVID delays. And I would expect something to happen in the next few months on that front as well. I think Rob LeBritz is going to win on the Champions Tour. He was the medalist at Q School. He's a longtime club pro in the New York area, as competitive as they come He's good. as club pros. Yeah. And, you know, was one of the great stories to end 2021. I think Rob will actually win going out there next year, which is not easy to do on that tour. I think Ricky Fowler is going to win again, get his game back. I think Victor Hovland is going to win a major. I think there's a lot of tremendous storylines coming out there. And I, I don't think any of those would be that far out of the, the realm of possibility. I agree. All right, my bold predictions. Tiger will play the Masters. Phil will contend at the Masters. Rory will complete the career Grand Slam at the Masters. I think Jordan Spieth will win a major in 2022. Hasn't won one since 2017. I think the President's Cup will be surprisingly competitive in a way that the Ryder Cup was not. I think actually the future for the international side might actually be brighter than it is for the European side, although the Hoygaard twins <laughs> may change my thinking in 2022. A couple of other bold predictions. Annika Sorenstam will play and make the cut at the U.S. Women's Open, and Leona McGuire will win a major championship on the women's side.
Leona McGuire, I could definitely get behind that one. There, there's a woman who's got a, every tool in the game out there, and she's shown it, and she's kind of made her way gradually up through the ranks of the women's game from being the all-star world number one amateur at Duke to where she is now on the LPGA Tour. The Annika one wouldn't surprise me as well. I mean, she's, she's shown that she still has game when she comes out of a 10-year retirement and made a cut earlier this year on the LPGA Tour. And Pine Needles is obviously a place where she's been very competitive in the past. Um, the Masters is an interesting lineup because you're, you're talking about three of the great storylines yeah. of the entire year potentially happening in one week. The idea that Phil would contend again at a major, which I, I do think Phil will win again, even now at the age mm -hmm. of 51. I do think Phil potentially could win another major, but I would think it would be at somewhere like the Open Championship, much more so than at, at the Masters. But Tiger playing, to me, that's more of a stretch than the idea of Rory winning it. Yes, for bold predictions, <laughs> not safe predictions. I went went bold. And, and by the way, I think Phil's ready to ride off into the sunset because he won uh, the PIP. He won the Player Impact Program <laughs> because what else is there after you've won the PIP, right? Uh, stay with us. Uh, let's, uh, hey, Paige, did we say anything outlandish there? You want to rein us in a little no, bit? No, they were... <laughs> They were nearly as bold as Van Royen's mustache. I really appreciated all of it. I wish I had known that I needed a laundry list to compete with the amazing predictions that you all made. Paige, thank you. As always, we'll catch up with you uh, tomorrow, I hope, right? Paige McKenzie. Yes. And stay with us. New Year, new rules for the game of golf. We dive into the impact some of the new rules might have on the professionals when we come back. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. This season, don't just bet, live your bet life. And the RTX Zipcore Wedge from Cleveland Golf, it's what's inside. And by Geico, you can save even more by bundling home and car insurance. New year and some new rules in the game of golf. Golf's governing bodies announcing a new model local rule in October, reducing the maximum length of driver shafts from 48 to 46 inches. The rule which went into effect just a couple of days ago, now allowing the various tours the option to implement a local rule that will cap driver length at 46 inches. PGA Tour has adopted this rule. What do you think? Well, it's, it definitely appears to be drawing a line in the sand in terms of where this distance thing is. This is one of the warning shots here whenever you can start to see limits being put on equipment. And where this gets really interesting is it's one of the rules, being a local rule, it required players or tours to adopt it. And the PGA Tour, with the, on the advice of the, the pack, which is chaired by Roy McElroy, a, a body of 16 players, they voted overwhelmingly to adopt this local rule kicking off two days ago. All right, let's uh, take a look. Uh, available starting uh, just a couple of days ago, I said this will give the option to further decrease the maximum club length. Uh, the committee, uh, local committee, can uh, take up this rule. Uh, previously, the maximum club length we said was 48 inches. Phil Mickelson was very vocal on Twitter back in the fall. Uh, here's what he put out on social media. Word is USGA soon rolling back driver length to 46 inches. This is pathetic. First, it promotes a shorter, more violent swing. Injury prone doesn't allow for length of arc to create speed. And during our first golf boom in 40 years, our amateur governing body keeps trying to make it less fun. Now the statement from RNA Chief Executive Martin Slumbers. 
Uh, we've taken time to consult fully with the golf industry, including players, the main professional tours, and equipment manufacturers, and have considered their feedback carefully. We believe this is the right thing for the game at this time, and it will provide tournament organizers with the flexibility to choose for themselves within the framework of the rules. USGA CEO Mike Wan quote, admittedly, this is not the answer to the overall distance debate issue, but rather a simple option for competitive events. It is important to note that it is not a rule of golf, and as such, it is not mandated for the average recreational golfer. Rather, this is an available tool for those running competitive events. Uh, I don't think this is a big deal. I certainly don't think it's going to matter to, to the golfers at home. Uh, this, I think, is sort of a preemptive move aiming by the governing bodies. They're kind of putting up some barriers so that the next generation doesn't find a way to swing a 48-inch driver comfortably and then obliterate golf courses. But it also shows you how alert Phil Mickelson is to the player impact program and using any opportunity he can. I mean, he used the term pathetic in his tweet, and what was pathetic was actually Phil's reaction Why? to this. Because... He, he constantly referred to, and he saw it in that tweet there and in other tweets at the time, he kept referring to the governing bodies as amateurs. They are amateurs only in the sense that they don't play golf for a living. But in terms of, you know, the sort of measuring and modifying the equipment that is used in this game, in running championships, in keeping the rulebook, they're not amateurs in that professional sense. They're very much professional about what they do. And Phil Mickelson knows very well that the decision to adopt this rule and to make him play by that rule and he objects to it because he used a longer driver to win at Kiowa Island in the PGA Championship. But Phil knows that the decision to make him abide by this rule was made by his peers on the tour. The, the, the Player Advisory Council voted for this, but Phil doesn't walk into the locker room and say to Rory McIlroy or John Ram or Justin Thomas and demand to know why they did that. So Phil would rather attack these faceless bureaucrats in the USGA. Phil does not have the courage for that conversation in the locker room. It's posturing. Step aside, Bryson and, and, and Brooks. It's uh, Eamon and Phil is the, <laughs> is the 2022 beef. How you fix for Thanksgiving in 2022? You want to play in the match? <laughs> Your well, game's getting better, I understand. Not that good. He blocked you on social media, didn't he? <laughs> I'm sure I gave him reason. <laughs> you're, having, you're having a go at him. Uh, here's another rule that went into effect January 1. Model local rule for the highest levels of competitive golf to further limit the use of green reading materials. Uh, this local rule will further limit the use of green reading materials, giving uh, the committees the ability to establish officially approved yardage books for a competition. That's the key. Also limiting handwritten notes that players, caddies, can add to the approved yardage book. So there's sort of an honor system there. And this is intended only for the highest levels of competitive golf. Okay. I think, again, this is the governing bodies saying that skill still matters. Uh, reading a green is, is a skill. Uh, read greens, not green reading books. Uh, in this era where information and technology are king, let's put the human element back into it, some feel, some vision, some hands. Uh, what do you think? You know, golf is, to me, has always been part art, part science. And when you see a lot of the guys on the greens these days, it seems to be much more science than art. And Bryson's a guy who relies on these green reading books perhaps more than any other player. Almost all of them are utilized in them to some degree. Bryson seems a little more reliant on them. Only one tournament does not allow and has never allowed green reading books, which is the Masters. And Bryson's best finish in four 
professional appearances at Augusta National is T29, which is obviously worse than he's performed in, in other major championships. So I, I'm totally in, in favour of this. What I think is the crux here is where is the enforcement? Because as you said, it, it really is an honour system. Caddies can only write in, and players, can only write in notes that they have first-hand witnessed, either through watching the broadcast or that they have seen on the golf course themselves. They can't write in notes from past years. They can't use any kind of device or technology to measure slope and then add that into the green reading book. So uh, how do you actually enforce that in any meaningful way? When do you know when a caddy wrote in a particular note or a player wrote in a note and where did that information come from, whether they witnessed it or it was obtained by some other means in previous years. It's, it's great in theory, I think. The practice and enforcement of it is not going to be easy. Is there evidence that it slows down play at all? Well, it can't speed it up at the rate some of these guys are studying it, like the Talmud, when they're standing on the greens there. They, they, they do seem to take a lot more time. The number of times you see guys back off and pull the book out of their pocket and start studying again. It's, it kind of makes you wish for the old days of, you know, Lanny Watkins, just get up and hit that's it as what, fast as you can. That's what, I, I just don't love the look of it, a guy with his nose in a book, right? I like, you know, I mean, it's, it's old school. We don't see a lot, but plumb bobbing or just plain old studying the green. Pace yeah, I would have banned plumb bobbing as well. <laughs> just hit the damn thing. Pace it, walk it off, eyeball it. Uh, so anyway, that's another new rule in effect uh, in 2022. Still to come, Mr. Hawaii himself, Mark Rolfing, joining us from Kapalua. Yeah, just days away from the first PGA Tour event of 2022. And Jordan Spieth past winter there. I'll give you a chance to say something nice about Mickelson. This set a new standard for elderly excellence. Elderly uh, excellence. I'm a big fan of Phil Mickelson, the golfer. Well done. And they've been playing majors since when, 1860? Nobody 50 year older had ever won one until Phil at Kiowa. I always remember that tee ball he hit at number 16, blew it by Brooks. Longest drive of the week. Yeah. And he might not be done in majors. Yeah, the golf world buzzing for another reason this past week. Sent out this tweet. I'd like to thank all the crazies in real sporters, too, for helping me win the PIP Player Impact Program to get the second half of the money. I have to add an event I haven't played in a while. See you in Kapalua. So he's there for the first time in, what, 21 years. And he said, I'll try to find another hot controversial topic soon. One Twitter user responding with this savage response in your dreams, Phil Tiger accomplishes that with one post to which Phil replied, he got second. I can empathize with that. All right, you're wondering what is the PIP, the Player Impact Program? It rewards players who have had the biggest positive impact on PGA Tour business, ability to engage with fans, drive traffic on social media, the sort of older school way of putting it, the Q rating. Uh, players have an impact score using five criteria. Pool of $40 million distributed to the top 10 finishers in the program and the winner receiving eight mil. That is bumped up to 50 million according to your reporting in Golf Week. Well, if Phil did in fact win the PIP and it, it, the, the tour has not confirmed has not made it official there's something that maybe tiger uh, in fact was the winner but if phil does win the pip then no one had a better year in golf than phil 
He won a major and the equivalent of four other tournaments, right? Eight million for first <laughs> in the PIP. So two million first, that's like four other tournaments. That's four majors the right golf. there. There you go. So He did for a guy who actually only really played to his level one week of the year. He, he, he got the most out of it. But Phil is evidence here of how you can craft and, and, and contrive a particular public persona. And can, do it did you say contrive? Well, contrive is not necessarily a negative word, Rich. Mm. But you can contrive a public persona and maintain that persona over the course of your career to achieve great popularity. And this is set up for a guy like Phil Mickelson because, you know, he's become an extremely engaging social media presence as well. He, he's obviously the central figure in the matches. It doesn't matter if it's Bryson or Brooks or whomever else. This is the Phil Mickelson show on the matches. And he won a major. So, yeah, he, he's had a pretty darn good year for having one good week. I'm going to go to bat for Phil here a little bit. He, he has done what very few his age uh, have ever done. He stayed relevant with his play and with respect to this PIP, with his mastery of the new mediums. Mm -hmm. He's building, I think you referenced this, a media business. He's following the model of athlete content creators from other sports like Peyton Manning, Stephen Curry. Phil is a stakeholder in those matches like the ones some people watched over Thanksgiving with Brooks and Bryson. Uh, Phil is competitive on the course and off. He stays engaged. And I think if that uh, persona is, as you say, contrived, I don't see it as being that much different uh, from the way an actor uh, uh, or a television personality <laughs> would approach their craft. Uh, when the red light goes on, uh, you have to sometimes slip into a, a different persona, a performer's persona. And I think he, uh, he fully understands how to do that. Sure, Phil, Phil is a brand and a very successful brand at that. And it was interesting, whenever Phil sent that tweet last week uh, announcing that he'd won the Player Impact program, I asked the tour if they could confirm that. And they wouldn't because, it, A, it ran through the end of the year and Phil's tweet was sent a few days early. But there's also a delay in some of the metrics being reported. Uh, so it's very possible that Tiger's impact from the, the tournament he played with Charlie, the PNC Championship, might not have actually weighed in on the results yet. So it's very possible that it won't be settled until it's then finally audited by Grant Thornton. So it could be February before it's settled. So he, I think it's very likely that Phil Mickelson will win. And he's a deserving winner of the PIP. But it's, he was a little early in calling it. Are you comfortable with this player impact program? Sure. There is not a company in the world that does not incentivize people who add value to the business in ways that are not necessarily easy to quantify. And I think nobody could seriously argue that the guys who are going to get money from the pip from Phil Mickelson on down, if he is in fact the winner, you can't argue that they do not drive value to the business of professional golf for the PGA And, and isn't this in some ways uh, a, a method to repay Tiger even while he's not uh, capable of teeing it up just as, as a way to say, thank you, you built this. All of this largesse we're enjoying is because of you. How do we pay you back? This is one way to pay him back, isn't it? It is, and it's a drop in the ocean for Tiger. It's To me, it's more closely related to, again, the Saudi issue as well, this idea of being able to give guaranteed money 
to the top stars, the most elite guys in the game that is entirely unrelated to how they perform on the field of play. And one of the ways to do this is through a bonus program like this. Right. And, and this is the way uh, the new generation is, as they say, consuming the, the product, the product being professional golf, really professional sports. Think about it, when, when you watch, right, if you're just at home on the big screen, you're sitting there, you're laying there, and you have, it's not just watching, you have your phone there, and you're probably scrolling Twitter. And, and that's the way they engage now, and so I think it, it, it is important. And there's not, I, don't, I would argue there's not a single elite athlete in any sport who engages as much on social media with his fans than Phil Mickelson does. Okay. Uh, you can catch live first round coverage of the Century Tournament of Champions uh, from Spectacular Maui Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on Golf Channel. Well, you, you, you think about Maui and you always think about this guy, Mark Rolfing. Rolf through the years. Lord Byron right there and with Michelle Wee another famous Hawaiian Rolf uh, logged a lot of miles out on, uh, on the happy trails of professional golf over the years and uh, a great pleasure to welcome in Rolf uh, from uh, his beloved Maui uh, Rolf uh, thanks for being with us uh, just quickly when did you first arrive in Maui and, and how did you sort of you know become the king of Kapalua all those years ago oh i don't know I, I you know i arrived here rich back in 1976 and um i think uh, getting to meet arnold palmer when he was designing the second golf course here and becoming his partner for about 10 years every time he came here and played that probably didn't hurt and uh uh, you know, I hit one shot down at the Bay Course in a tournament one year and got myself on TV. And the next thing I know, I was working on TV. And if you can imagine this, I'm getting ready to start uh, this week my 37th year. That mm. is a pretty amazing run. And, uh, and I just uh, pinch myself every day and say, how did this happen to me? One of the great and distinctive voices in, in our game. Uh, Rolf, uh, you've been through it, uh, Maui, uh, all these years. Uh, I think about Mickelson making his first appearance here in 21 years. There was a time maybe a decade or more ago when the top players looked for reasons not to come to Maui. Uh, you know, they were already making too much money. It was a tough time of year. They wanted to kind of chill with their families, take an extended break. This new generation has completely changed course. They, I mean, Justin Thomas told me at the PNC, why wouldn't you go to Maui? <laughs> over the holidays, uh, play that golf course, play for a ton of money, bring your family over. So what, what changed to bring this new generation fully on board uh, with the Century Tournament of Champions? I think they're really starting to realize how important it is to win on the PGA Tour. Yes, they all do make a lot of money, but winning is really important, and I think they're feeling a little bit of an obligation. The younger guys felt like they had to be here, and I think, you know, the the veterans are now sort of, sort of following them. And, uh, you know, having Phil really changes everything. This island is totally uh, in a buzz about him coming. It's been 21 years. But I will tell you this, when I look at Phil Mickelson, Rich, um, this probably is the best chance Phil has to win a PGA Tour event for the rest of his career. He's, he's got to beat 39 other players only. 
Uh, he is going to get a tremendous break with the weather. As you can see behind me, the wind is not blowing at all, and it's going to be sort of a fickle week, really light winds coming from different directions. So I think the players that are used to the trade winds that fairly consistently blow here are not going to see him. So a guy like Mickelson that hasn't been here in a while won't be that far behind in terms of catching up. The fairways are wide open. He can drive it all over Maui uh, and still be in play. And uh, it takes a lot of creativity and imagination. So I don't think Phil is just showing up. I think he is coming to win. Mark, the average winning score at Kapalua for the last 11 years has been 22 under par. Do you expect something similar this week? And do you think the ban on green reading books that now comes into effect with this week, will that make any difference since this is one of the most kind of heavily contoured courses on the tour? Yeah, that'll be an interesting point, Eamon. I'm not sure whether that'll make a big difference or not, and I don't know that we will know because I think the scoring is going to be ridiculously low because there isn't going to be much wind. We've also had a fairly wet last few weeks, which means the fairways don't really have the bounce. The approaches to the green are a little bit soft. Uh, you know, Ernie L shot 30 under par in conditions like this a long time ago, but it reminds me a little bit of a couple years that we had back early in this century, uh, and, and I think the scores will be really, really low this week. Mark, you mentioned we haven't seen Phil in, in Kapalua in, in 21 years. Let's talk about the other missing man in golf right now. What does your instinct tell you when you'll see Tiger back on tour? I, I just, you know, I was captivated by it. Uh, and, and it really, uh, when I take a look at these players, uh, guys coming into Maui and into Kapalua, and particularly the guys in their age, you know, 21, 22, 23, 24-year-old guys, they grew up uh, watching Tiger, and sort of Tiger's the one that led them into the game. And I think his performance at PNC just sort of solidified what uh, everybody knows, and that is that he is the greatest of all time, even if he doesn't ever win another uh, golf tournament, he is he is always going to be that, and uh, I really think it's hard to judge him and how much he's done for the game. I think without Tiger Woods, you and I would not be sitting here talking today. Agree with that, Rolf. Uh, lastly, uh, Jordan Spieth, the winner uh, here at Kapalua a few years ago. How do you think Jordan fares in 2022, Rolf? I, I think he's going to have a great year. Uh, I expect him in the top ten. Um, he does particularly well out here. We know we've seen it in the past. Every time he tees off on the plantation course, he makes six birdies, it seems like, as a minimum. Uh, so I, I think it is going to be a good year for Jordan. But, you know, when you take a look at, at the players and take a look at kind of how many guys uh, could end up being the number one player in the world, let's say, by the end of the year, it is going to be a tough year to really break through. Everybody always asks, who's going to have a breakout season this year? To me, a breakout season for any player now in this PGA Tour day and age is probably three or four tournaments. I don't see anybody winning six or seven. Uh, but I think Jordan Spieth, I expect him to have a top ten year. Rolf, thank you. As always, we look forward to uh, hearing your commentary, uh, as always, uh, from Maui in, in the next two weeks.